0: there's somewhere between like 50 to 80,000 NFTs being minted daily on Solana, which is nothing to sniff at. It's a lot. And we're still early. We're still in like the, you know, 0.01% of all creators kind of thing, or maybe, maybe even less. So we're like very, very early on that front when there's that many NFTs being created. And then the second thing I think is Solana has, you know, 10 to 20 times more transactions daily. I think that's just a good proxy for like the degree to which people are just trying things and doing things.
1: Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of unstoppable domains and the go-to place for everybody to learn about the latest innovations in Web3, NFTs, and the decentralized web. Join us each week to hear from experts, entrepreneurs, and the early stage investors that are building the future on the blockchain. Not only will this podcast help you understand why these emerging technologies are so important, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in the metaverse. GM, GM, welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. My name is Josh Gordon. I'm your host. And today we're diving into the world of Solana NFTs and Magic Eden with the co-founder and CEO, Joshin. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining today. How are you doing?
0: Yo, good, man. Thanks so much for having me. Very, very excited for this. Yeah, I was very excited to see you reach out. So always happy to chat.
1: Yeah, you know, we're going deep on NFTs and the metaverse and crypto web three, like from a conceptual basis, I'm talking with founders, creators, investors, and Solana keeps coming up. And Solana is really a, an ecosystem that I haven't fully dove into myself. It's It feels like one of the next layers of the crypto onion that I need to peel back. And so I think you're an expert and are going to really provide a lot of insight into just a you know, building marketplaces and what that entails and be just why Solana is an exciting place to be creating right now.
0: I've been working in the Solana ecosystem for sort of close to a year now. It's been amazing to see how much stuff has been built in a really, really short amount of time, both across DeFi and NFTs, actually. And obviously, we've been lucky enough to be at the forefront of just the NFT wave that's been, been booming on the Solana side. So very, very excited to share more about that. And yeah, for those, like I would encourage everyone to just check it out. Download a phantom wallet and get started. It's a very, very smooth, buttery experience.
1: Yeah, no, the phantom wallet was super easy to, to get, get the browser extension, get that all synced up. So that was a good experience. Now, can you walk me through how you got into crypto originally and what led you to founding Magic Eden? I
0: always need a good crypto origin story. My background, I'm from Australia originally, uh, moved to the US about eight years ago. And then I started out very, very traditional, pretty trad background. So I worked in consulting for three years at Bain and then I moved to the US and my whole thing was like, I wanted to do something that was basically at the frontier of what I considered frontier in tech. And obviously there's a lot of interesting things you can do, you know, especially in the Bay area. I discovered Ethereum and crypto, it's sort of like 2016-ish, ended up sort of like, doing a bunch of things on my own. So I was like trying to read about stuff, trying to invest and in all these things. And was really lucky at the time to have a couple of friends who actually worked at Coinbase. And this was at the time when Coinbase was actually just like very, very Bitcoin focused. They kind of like wanted to just be the, the, the place to buy and sell Bitcoin. But when they started to support Ethereum, they, they sort of like red-pilled me on Ethereum, I guess. And that's, that's the time in which I started to do more and more in that ecosystem. And was lucky enough to meet a lot of the early kind of like DeFi founders or what would become DeFi at the time. So around late 2017, I actually joined uh, DYDX, which is now the largest decentralized exchange on Ethereum. So my background has always been like, I like helped build a lot of the early kind of like DeFi infra. I was a second employee at DYDX and then spent three years there. And then I uh, spent a year at Coinbase building out, again, exchange products. So I was working on the institutional platform mainly serving sort of like hedge funds you know asset managers uh, corporate treasuries things like that so a lot of my time in the last sort of four or five years has been spent thinking about just like exchanges and liquidity and you know marketplaces right around like early last year had been dabbling a lot myself and with now my co-founders around just other ecosystems so we like started yield farming on like avalanche and Solana all these other places and really found that Solana in particular had a very very strong community that was building both on the developer side, but also end user side. And at the same time, like obviously NFTs were popping off. So we sort of developed this internal thesis that if if you believe that NFTs will become a much, much larger category overall from a macro standpoint, in the same way that like fundable tokens became a, uh, like a huge category, then there must be many, many types of NFTs, right? That will get developed in the future. Obviously the first one that had product market fit was PFPs. And if that were true, then where would that stuff take place? We we sort of had pretty strong conviction that that would, at least in the near term, happen on places like Solana. So we started to figure out if we could build like a proof of concept marketplace and, and we did and we shipped it and then uh, very quickly got a lot of traction. That was around October of last year and so myself and so I have three co-founders and we all... We're working in Web2 kind of stuff. So like big tech kind of stuff. I was at Coinbase and the other guys were at, at like some of the large typical Web2 companies. And we decided to jump in and just 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 do this. And it's been an amazing journey since then. So since then, Magic Eden's done around one and a half, maybe a little more billion in uh, GMV trade volume. And we're roughly 95% of the entire Solana NFT market and have been very, very lucky to be at the forefront of sort of just like many, many, I think, categories of new NFTs that have come to come to the ecosystem so it's uh, it's been a very very cool journey
1: yeah no i love this story and that you're you're building with friends and it sounds like shipping in october of, of last year really is the just before the inflection point of when things took off you know top shot took off and the pfp type of collections took off and it's it's been cool to see magic even grow and i've seen some stats recently around how you're really competing with OpenSea now and some in trade volume when people think of Solana NFTs, really is starting to change the narrative around it being some like small collection that no one's really paying attention to. A lot of people are focused on this right now. And some, some parts of Twitter are just completely missing out of it. So Twitter is, you know, where the conversations are happening. So I can only imagine there's kind of a subsect of Solana conversations going on and a subsect of ETH like NFT conversations. You know, I have some questions about Solana before we dive into more of the marketplace stuff. To get an idea of you mentioned the community was building a big selling point of Solana is the fast transactions. But I'm curious at what your take is on are fast transactions really something that precedes a great user experience. So much conversation goes on around just it's simply faster and maybe gas fees are low. But how does that transaction speed end up being a better experience for everyone buying, selling NFTs and also creators of these projects on Solana?
0: Yeah, really good question. I think there's two points that I'll make and then there's very clear, I think, implications of, of those two points. So there's basically like what people talk about normally with Solana is that it's fast and it's cheap, right? And I think both of those things are really important for two different reasons. The speed thing is, I think, a user experience thing. And I think it definitely makes a, makes a, a meaningful difference when a, a user is using like crypto rails for the first time and using like... Non-custodial wallet infrastructure for the first time. If they come in and they try and perform an activity, whether it's to like buy a token or buy an NFT or you know lend some assets or something, if the user experience is not is not fast, that that in itself is sort of like detracts from that entire onboarding you know experience and the success of that onboarding experience. It's not the entire sort of factor, but it's one of the factors. And then I think the implication of a chain being cheap is i think actually more profound than the fast thing i think the fast thing can probably be overcome and just naturally will get better over time i think the the cost of things is really important from our point of view because it just means that no matter what kind of user you are so say you're an end user that's buying or selling on the marketplace or you're a creator that's thinking about launching an nft collection if it's cheaper then it's actually more will- like you'd be more willing to actually experiment and this is true across many dimensions right it's like You know, if you have this vision that a lot of things will become on-chain and a lot of social uh, interactions will become, you know, formed in DAOs and things like all that kind of stuff, right? And all of that is, I think, more likely to happen when things are just cheaper. So we've seen this to be fairly true. Like this thesis, I think, has played out quite well in the last nine months that at least we've been around, that a lot of these guys that are coming in to build on Solana uh, very, very intentionally chose to build there. Because number one, they were they were finding that like the user experience could be better, and then number two, they found that because the barrier to entry from a cost standpoint was lower, it's like oh, it's it's conceivable that others would actually use this, right? You know, some good examples are like there's you know apps that or products that allow you to like form doubts on chain that is just kind of hard and pretty difficult to do on a high cost chain, or like gaming related use cases. It's kind of again, you know, lots and lots of transactions, lots of items. That again is really hard to do on like a really high cost chain. So I think those are the implications. It's like user experience plus willingness to experiment and um, willingness to experiment leads to then, you know, more and more types of entities being created, which I think is really important from just a general ecosystem health standpoint.
1: Yeah, it makes me think of Shopify a little bit just in terms of the cost to set up a a marketplace, a business, a storefront on the internet became so low and so easy I guess the easiness is maybe the fast standpoint and the cost of setting up a Shopify store, you know, is 20, 30 bucks. And then all of a sudden you have everything built in and you're ready to sell some digital product. And so that led to a boom in online creators and businesses too. So that cost of experimentation point you bring up is really interesting. And I wonder if just the innovation in Solana is going to outpace the innovation happening on Ethereum over time as more builders like navigate to that.
0: It's a really good analogy, actually, very, very good analogy. And like, couple of like really interesting stats just to bring up around this is like number one, there's somewhere between like fifty to eighty thousand NFTs being minted daily on Solana, which is nothing to sniff at. It's a lot, and we're still early. We're still in like the you know point zero one percent of all creators kind of thing, or maybe like maybe even less. So we're like very, very early in that front, and there's that many NFTs being created. And then the second thing I think is. Solana has you know, 10 to 20 times more transactions daily. I think that's just a good proxy for like the degree to which people are just trying things and doing things.
1: And when you say 10 to 20 times more transactions daily, that's from the entire blockchain perspective, not necessarily just an NFT trading?
0: Correct, correct. I think that's like a representative across all the different types of products too. We see roughly somewhere between 30,000 to 50,000 daily active wallets on Magic Eden. And that's I think pretty meaningful for a marketplace that's only been around, you know, eight, nine months to give you some sense of like the degree to which people are willing to actually just try it out and start using it. Uh whereas the barriers to entry I think elsewhere are just a lot higher. So yeah, we're really excited. I think the the thesis of like experimentation has definitely been playing through. And yeah, we're we're really excited about what's still to come.
1: Yeah. No the the barrier to entry is so small and i've been as i've been trying to get more friends family connections into crypto the fees associated with just really doing anything on chain on ethereum have been a little bit prohibitive especially in some of the recent mints you know i was i i, I did mint some other side land recently for, from the board ape Yacht club and but i was trying to get some friends to do it too and it came to the the barrier there was the gas fees and for some people That was okay for them. But for people who are new, totally not uh, a way to get introduced to crypto, right? So finding a a chain or collections where you can interact in a more cost-effective way is important. I want to now talk about a little bit of marketplace, get some marketplace insights from you. And so Magic Eden is... Like you mentioned, the premier, like the number one spot for buying, and selling NFTs on Solana. I think you said ninety-five percent of the volumes currently happening there. Now, I think about collecting and trading. I, I think about communities forming, and I want to know what what is meaningful to you about building a marketplace because it's about it's got to be about more than just pure transactions, right? Are you are you seeing are you seeing communities form? What is that? blossoming into. Can, can you explain a little bit more on that side of things?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is actually one of the big principles that that we thought really deeply about before starting Magic Eden. And the, the core principle here is that and I think this still guides all of our decisions today as we think about what to prioritize to build and not build uh, is that we think Web3 marketplaces will look quite different to Web2 marketplaces. And let me like unpack that statement a little bit. If you think about what traditional marketplaces look like they are very much this like style of marketplace where there's a bunch of items it's sort of like the e-commerce you know experience right it's like a bunch of items you can like filter them you can maybe like sort them and it's a scrolling kind of experience and the intent there is to basically have you browse through a bunch of stuff and lead you to kind of like a purchase Whereas I think on Magic Eden, we have two kind of core concepts that we think are really important to layer on top of this. Number one is that this idea of immersion. And then number two is this idea of like community permeating through the entire marketplace. On the immersion side, what do I mean by that? I mean, basically that as a user is coming to Magic Eden, we want them to really feel just the sheer power and and excitement that comes with all the different types of NFTs that are, that are that are being disseminated and proliferated, right? And this is really true when you start to think about the different types of categories that and assets that are hopefully coming down the pipe in the next few years. So to give you one really concrete example, if you land on Magic Eden today, we actually have a, a category, a vertical category that's split out specifically for games. Uh, we call it Eden Games. And when you click that, it's, it's actually a discovery portal of what we think are the best web three games that are currently live and users can go there they can check out these games watch the trailers you know read about the teams and the studios and then they can actually play the games because we allow games to embed gameplay directly into the marketplace right and why is that cool it's cool because the user should be able to feel that value before they even have to buy an item and you know one example is like i'm playing a first person shooter you know, it's, it's fun, I'm playing a battle royale, I realize that I, I need a better weapon because I'm just not very good at the game. Then I can actually then start like scroll a bit further down and browse the, the different items that allow me to upgrade my weapon, right? That's the kind of experience that I think is really important. And the same could be true for many categories, you know, whether it's like tickets, whether it's music, you know, things like that. So that's the first thing around immersion. And the second thing around community is that we actually want Magic Eden to be the place that you know, users and community members come and discover uh, different places and groups of people to hang out with, right? Because basically it's like, why do people join these PFE collections? They join because they want to be part of something, right? Like I'm a you know, I'm a monkey holder, I'm a thugbirds holder. Like the reason I join these is I want to hang out in these DAOs. And I like the people that are there. For those that like, you know, one way of discovery is just to look at the the visual side of nfts that's that's absolutely one way to discover but the other way to discover that's really important is actually through like user to user engagement which is like hey what are the people like in this community and two like what 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 does this community care about right and these are layers i think that that very much should should sit either around or within the the marketplace it's it's sort of part of that entire discovery experience so let me pause there. But those are sort of the, some two like high level concepts of how we think about things.
1: No, really interesting. The discovery and immersion breakdowns you gave. I feel like OpenSea very much is focused on the filtering and the sorting, and it's really transactional. It's it's the buy and the sell. It really lacks, I'd say, completely lacks discovery and immersion. And when I was going through the Magic Eden website, it was definitely something I flagged was how I did notice that games had been integrated inside there. And it immediately started getting me thinking around how some of these other collections that I've been into that are gaming focused, how I don't, I just don't see a world how they, people talk online about, oh, is this collection going to build their own marketplace so that they can bypass fees on OpenSea or, but really going a step further than just the fees, because again, that's transactional. It's how do we integrate marketplaces into the games we play? And you're definitely providing that feature for anyone who's building a, on Solana. And I, I, I would say that's a, a massive, a massive utility you're giving, you know, game devs to to build on Solana is because you're, you're giving them that feature to connect with users better. On the social side too, we've seen Coinbase NFT make a take a stab at the social. So far, Coinbase NFT's platform just hasn't gotten adopted. Uh, People aren't using it, right? I think there's, I saw there's like 100 sales on it yesterday or something like that, something very, very low amount. When you talk about community members interacting and seeing if you you fit with them, if you vibe with them, if you like them, is that simply like chat forums? How are you thinking about that community connection within the marketplace?
0: I think number one, it's like, it, all this is very early, so I think there's a lot to this that we we also don't know. But as a general principle, I think we should not think about um, shoving like existing social features directly into the marketplace as we know them today. Starting with that approach will probably just lead down to an outcome that is not actually what users really want. The way I think we think about it is, um, what are the really organic ways to drive just network density amongst users on Magic Eden today? And today that could be from like, things around the trading experience. It could be things around like uh, specific events or activities that are happening on Magic Eden. So for example, every day we actually have uh, two or three launch pads that happen on the marketplace, which is NFT projects dropping their collections on Magic Eden. That in itself is a sort of a, a daily event kind of thing, right? Which is really exciting. And then the third layer, I would say, which is the piece that we've been experimenting most about is uh, we actually launched our own NFT collection a couple of months ago called the magic ticket. And the whole intent here was to effectively add like this community layer on top of the marketplace and bring together the, you know, the users that were most loyal or or, or the largest users on magic Eden to kind of get them uh, participating in various forms of decision-making around the marketplace, whether that's like just hanging out with one another, whether that's guiding some, some interesting decisions, whether that's, Organizing events or campaigns as a community; these are things that all have come out of the what we call them. It's called the magic DAO, and this is like a really cool thing that we are like, yeah, we're very very open with and trying to experiment with. But a nice way, I think, to drive a lot of this social interaction more organically, because I think it's the wrong way to think about it if you are trying to shove existing like Web two social features directly into this experience. I think we're still very early with the types of NFTs and what people want to do with them. So to some degree, what's more important is to drive as much just user-to-user engagement organically uh, and density of that as much as possible. And then and then you can kind of build the experiences around that.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to dive a little bit more into the Magic DAO. It was something that I thought was interesting because it seems like Magic Eden is not a DAO from a company perspective, yet you have uh, almost side DAO that isn't the DAO's goal is not to drive governance company decisions. It, it really is focused on incentivizing community engagement. Could you help give me some more examples on what outcomes you've seen come from it? And and I, I really ask because in I feel like at Unstoppable Domains, you know, we we don't have a DAO right now and our, our largest competitor does, but they're built to be a DAO that actually governs the decision-making at the protocol level. And I've had a lot of conversations even on the podcast with our CEO talking about how there's a decentralization spectrum. And there's a lot of benefits. I, I love how you're describing your product thinking right now. I really like it, especially how you're thinking about not just implementing things from this Web2 perspective, but you're really thinking about how the the next iteration of what these marketplaces and engagements can look like but when you operate as a, a startup there's a lot of benefits of maintaining decision making at the center f- so you can ship product fast so you can focus on customer experience so you can focus on making the user experience as best as you can and i think that some of that gets lost with the dow although do lead to really interesting community engagements so talk me through a little bit more why you decided to start the DAO and the structure that you did versus creating Magic Eden completely as one, and what outcomes you saw recently uh, that were that were special?
0: This is a a really good topic. There's a lot to this, so uh, feel free to stop me.
1: <laughs> I will. I, I'll jump in as I, I need get into to. it. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. But so let me start with sort of how I think about decentralization. I think I agree with your statement around gradual decentralization, and this is the same way we thought about things actually when I was at DYDX too. DYDX. Started out very much as a centralized company. There still is a centralized entity that's that's driving a lot of the core roadmap. But over time, this is going to get more and more decentralized and moving towards kind of their their governance model just more and more over the next sort of couple of years. And I think that's the right way to do things. I think as a a startup and an early stage company, like we could not have done what we have done if we were not an organized, you know, small central group of people that we're just moving and shipping products really fast. And that actually is the Magic Eden team's special sauce. We are really aggressive in how we try and tackle the market, right? And tackle building products. That's that's kind of the thing that we are really good at. So the reason that we created the Magic Tower in the first place was not actually to drive and uh, sit in the middle of that decision-making in the short term. I'll be very explicit that that wasn't the goal of ours, right? Uh, that may be the goal over time. And I think... That would be a really exciting thing for us to work on gradually. But the goals of us starting Magic Tower were very much around how do we drive more community engagement around the Magic Eden community? Uh, number two, how do we reward our earliest and most loyal users? And how do we kind of start to experiment with ways of moving some of the core, like I say non-core, actually not core, like non-core decisions and, and, and inputs Is there a way to start involving the community in that kind of stuff in a way that is not necessarily just like suddenly transitioning into, you know, massive DAO that, you know, it's hard to make decisions, decisions, right? So I'll give you some really concrete examples of things that that have been experimented with in the last couple of months. So number one was like launching an NFT collection, which I think was really amazing and a really fun way to actually just like interact with our community.
1: With the NFT collection, just to jump in right there, did you... Did the community decide who the artist was going to be? Did you allocate funds to them and then say, hey, this is how much you have to spin this up, start voting?
0: No. So the, the NFT collection was actually the genesis of the Magic DAO. So it was like, if you have a ticket, then now you are a member of the Magic DAO. Right. And then what we did was we said, those of you that now have the Magic ticket, of which I think we dropped around 30,000 in total, if you have one of these, then we actually then seeded the magic down with a thousand soul and said, go for it. You guys can figure out how you want to like spend that money and yeah, further whatever causes you guys think is just most beneficial for the ecosystem. So then one of the things that, that they've worked on is we did like a New York City hackathon alongside the Slaughter Hacker House, where basically it was, you know, put up some prize money and allow other teams to build interesting, useful tools leveraging Magic Eden infrastructure to the benefit of the entire NFT ecosystem. So whether that's like trading tools, whether that's data tools, like that kind of stuff, right? The other stuff we've done is more around giving the community input into stuff. So one example, if you go on the Magic Eden homepage, we have these carousels for discovery. And one of the carousels is actually like Magic DAO voted, right? So it's like every week we run a little poll that's uh, basically asking everyone, like, what do you guys want to see featured? That way, the curation layer, I think, should be definitely partly community driven. And I'm really, really, you know, excited and passionate about that. Another thing is involving the community on really like hard platform decisions. And this is where I think it divulges with Web2 quite a lot, where, you know, as a marketplace, it's like, there's always this question of what is a derivative, you know, like what should be allowed, what shouldn't be allowed. And this is actually something that we we got together uh, around 100 community members together from various different groups of the community to actually like talk about this issue and it's not like a one-time thing you know you you can't come to consensus about all this stuff in like a one you know one hour session but the broader point is that we wanted to involve everyone in that decision making and like we will make a call ultimately and it won't be pleasant for everybody because everyone has different opinions but it's like we want to acknowledge this is an evolving thing and we want you guys to be along that journey with us and then we also just do fun stuff like we we hosted we had the magic Dow host a um An event at nftla where you know it's a in in real life event that everyone who is a magic ticket holder could come like just things like that right
1: so then just a couple follow-on questions here one has to do with the the voting on the product features now if people vote in a poll is the DAO structured so that the company like the people who are working to ship the product that you work with do you have to do whatever they vote on or do you still have the I want to say like the centralized leadership authority to say, hey, we respect that opinion, but for business decisions that we think are best for the overall community, we're still going to go in this direction.
0: Yeah, yeah. Today, uh, like honestly, it's definitely still, we we make the decisions 100%.
1: But the DAO gets to vote.
0: So we don't actually vote on product decisions today. We vote on just like what gets featured on the homepage. And like, we definitely respect those decisions. In terms of product build, I think given that, all of the engineers that are building magic Eden are like part of like magic Eden, the company, like magic Eden the company is still definitely going to be the one that's deciding the roadmap and all that stuff. But at the same time, if, you know, a very, very large and loud part of the community is asking for like one or two things and, and, and we are not doing that, it's almost a, you know, Dow or not, we, <laughs> we should be, we should be kind of listening to what people want. So I kind of don't think about that one as like a, uh, you know, should we, should we, or should not we not? You know, listen to the DAO. It's more like, yeah, for like building features and building stuff that people want. Um, we should listen to our users always, um, as a general principle.
1: Listening to your users as a general principle, hundred percent agree with. And thanks for clarifying that for me. And then with like even the the party you mentioned, is the DAO responsible for doing all that planning, or are you throwing uh, requests for feedback to them to vote on, so they have input into how the party's let's say what's going down there who maybe who the dj is what the event looks like but then you still have people on your side that are doing the planning or did the dow plan the whole thing
0: no i think we'd love to get to the point where the dow is doing all the stuff right i think today like we we have to like definitely drive some of this stuff again like i think this is a gradual process you know like as you know with many dows it's a lot of structural things have to get built right from just a like social structures and decision structures and things like that. So it's not as if it's like a, it's very hard to say like, cool, here's a DAO, like start (laughs) doing a bunch of stuff. I think it's pretty clear that there has to be someone or something as like uh, pushing the narrative a little bit and pushing the the whole thing forward. And you know that's okay. It's, it's okay for us to be that acting in that role at the moment. And over time we're really excited to, you know, hopefully empower those in the DAO to do more and more. Uh, But this is why I think, we started this very early in our life cycle, right? We started in October, so we're eight months old. But it was very important for us to start to try these things because I think the moment that we say, oh, we actually want to move forward and do this whole decentralization stuff, which, by the way, is not on like the near-term roadmap, but if we did say that, it's like, yo, we, we actually want to have a few years of, of experience knowing what this is like and preparing the community for it and all this kind of stuff, right? It isn't like a switch you can just turn on. So I think that's why, as a general like, you know, mental model, we always had this model of, hey, if there are big decisions to be made, let's start experimenting or thinking about them early, right? And and feeling it as much as we can. That way, when we actually want to do something, we're, we're pretty well informed.
1: Yeah, very very interesting. I appreciate all your perspective on that. I'm glad to see that it's going well, and I, I like the idea of the the tickets as passes versus tokens, too. I think thinking through, I mean, you basically built an NFT community, it, it sounds like, and and I think that's powerful. So to to dive more into Solana, I'd love to talk about some projects that are really catching your eye. I, I think the the one of, of the recent couple of weeks has been OK Bears, just dominating trade volume. Uh, I, I'm seeing them pop up. I was just on a Twitter space yesterday, and as I was looking through the guests that were listening in I saw a couple bears represented on the PFPs. So, what's notable of late on on the platform, which communities are booming?
0: Yeah, yeah, dude, hard to avoid the bears right now. The guys are the guys are crushing it. That's for what, sure. What what made
1: it so successful?
0: A number of things actually. So, number one, you know, shout out to the bears, a bunch of guys from from Australia as well. But I think a few things. Number one is that they they've been working on this for a long time. Um, so this was not like a, Hey, let's spin this up, you know, and launch it in three weeks kind of thing. Uh, they've been at this for, you know, six plus months. Our team has actually been talking to them for, for quite some time. And so number one is that there's been a lot of thought and really intentional decisions and resource being, being put into this project, uh, which has been really cool to see. Number two is that they really nailed, I think the marketing element of this, right. Which is like, and part of that is you know, marketing for the sake of marketing and getting a lot of eyeballs on it. But two is like marketing to create kind of like a really fun uh, community, right? And this is, you know, they're, they're not trying to be like, a, oh, we're going to build the play to earn game. You know, like they're kind of just like, hey, we're, we, we are this community and, you know, come and be a part of it, right? And I think obviously there's many more things to come in that roadmap, but, um, you know, they're not like over-promising a bunch of stuff. I think the the really interesting thing that the takeaway I think from that launch has been that, it's probably the first real breakout collection on Solana in that this was the the first project that really topped the entire, you know, NFT collections across chains, Uh, the first Solana project to do that. So we were stoked to, you know, launch them on our launch pad and then host most of the primary uh, of the secondary market. So that's, that's obviously one that we're pretty excited about. I think the other one that's caught a lot of steam recently uh, on the gaming side is um, uh, this whole thing around move to move to earn. Which is a concept that has been I think been brewing for several months now with another project called Genopets. But the one that has been getting traction is this one called Step In. Which is effectively like, yeah, you get paid to to effectively like be active. You get paid to walk or run and the the actual NFTs themselves that allow you to earn is is, is in the form of these shoes. And this team has been crushing it and they've they have something like 2 million monthly active users now uh, in a very, very short amount of time. So very exciting to see sort of the that first sort of wave or step towards gaming projects actually getting a lot of users. Uh, so I think those are probably the two that stick to mind initially.
1: Cool. Yeah. You know, I've definitely seen in all over my timeline. I, I've looked into it a little bit. I do have an account. I got an activation code, but I somehow I just didn't realize that was on Solana. I totally missed that. So I haven't actually used it yet. Is it too late for anyone to jump in and start using Stepping? Or you think, still, good time, check it out, start experimenting?
0: I think it's always a good time to jump in and, st- <laughs> and experiment. But I think the shoes now, the NFTs are now, I think, uh, 10 to 12, 10, 13 sol, something like that. So if that's in the wheelhouse, definitely jump in. It's just fun. I will say that I did not think it would be fun, but I do find myself using it every day now.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I unfortunately found it just, just recently, but I've been training for a half marathon. So I think it would have been perfect, perfect time to jump in and start getting paid to run. We'll see. Maybe, maybe I can download it and use it for my half marathon, which is in a little over a week. So it's not too late.
0: Definitely dude. Definitely.
1: Yeah. So, you know, a couple more questions I just want to ask you before getting into our one, two web three to wrap this up, but what lessons can you pass to aspiring Web three builders and entrepreneurs? I mean, you and your team are absolutely crushing it. I know you. You recently raised another round of funding, but if anyone wants to build in this space, whether you're whether you're trying to be as as big, a, I, you're shooting for the moon right now. So anyone who's shooting for the moon or just trying to start a project, you know, like an NFT project, what can you what can you advise them on?
0: Based on just sort of my entry into the industry and sort of what I've experienced so far, like the first thing is like starting a company is very Kind of personal decision, and you know, for some, it, it it's like a it, there is a lot of risk there to do it. But it, I I also believe that it's it's the most enriching and most rewarding thing that I've ever done. But I will say that if you are new to the industry and wanting to jump in and maybe starting a company might might be like just a little bit too too far of a stretch. I would say join like a really top quality early stage startup, and that's that's kind of what how I thought about my career path. Right? It's like I met. Uh, Antonio, who's the founder of DYDX, and really believed that he and the industry would create something amazing. And I always had the you know idea to do something on my own at some point, but having that experience of being in an early stage Web three startup was was an amazing uh, learning experience for me. So I encourage anyone who's thinking about that, or even has the idea to start a company one day, like that's also a really good path to just uh, start learning and start going down as close as possible to starting a company without maybe doing it yet. And then for the ones that are looking to start something, I think by far the most important thing is, you know, having the right team alongside you. So like, you know, one or two co-founders or, you know, early team members, that's like critical to make sure that people are on the same page and you guys are ready to just like, kind of go all in on this thing together. And then two is nothing else matters except for velocity. Like, Moving fast is by far the most important thing. It actually is not really the idea or you know the specific product that you build that's first. Really, moving quickly is the most important thing because I would still say even today, and having been in the industry now for almost five years, a little over five years, that the industry is still very much like land grab. Though there's so much opportunity to build in Web three, it's, it, it's amazing, and that was true three years ago. That's still true today, and That's why if you're starting something, moving fast is the most important thing. And ideas are kind of commodity. It's more like find the right team and execute really, really fast. And you'll learn a ton by doing that. And uh, you'll eventually come across the thing that, that sticks and people find valuable. And once you do, you just grab that and run.
1: Yeah, great advice. And I made the decision to join you know a fast-growing Web3 startup, too, for the purposes of learning. So I've been lucky to learn from our CEO, Matt Gould, so, so often. And every time we talk, I'm just soaking up how he's thinking and how he's processing the decisions we're making internally. And that's been fantastic. Good advice. Last general question for you is, what is your response to the Solana criticism on it being a centralized blockchain? And we even saw recently... You know, Solana, I, I believe, went down for a short period of time a weekend or two ago. And so, how do you conceptualize that, and still say that building on this blockchain is something that isn't going to just go away? Like we can't just turn the lights out on it.
0: And I think this is something that's really important for us, right? As a, as a now one of the largest apps in crypto. I think the first point I'll make is that. Just like the, the whole gradual decentralization point that we talked about earlier, I think that's also really true for a lot of these layer one chains. That as they get bigger, they naturally will just get more and more decentralized. And there's really pros and cons of, I think, Solana's general approach and go to market over the last couple of years. Like, one is that they were able to grow really quickly, right? They were able to get a lot of attraction and a lot of developer mindshare. And I think that's really important. You need to like bootstrap the system in some way. But at the same time, yeah, I think it's really important to also, you know, ensure that like things are actually decentralized, getting decentralized gradually. I think the second thing around like the network, I think I know for sure that like this is the number one, you know, P negative one kind of priority for the whole the entire Solana team, and super super smart group of people who care a lot. And I have like high high confidence that they'll figure it out. The important thing I think is making sure that you know, it's, it's the right platform, it's the right, you know, social construct that developers want to build here. And I think that's what they've done a really good job building. And now I think, yeah, there's obviously a lot of technical challenges they have to solve. But, you know, that's also true for all of the chains, to some degree, like, they didn't have these problems a year ago, because, you know, now it's like a a lot of users and a lot of things that are happening here. So I think uh, they're in a very, you know, lucky, but also stressful position. And we have high confidence that they'll figure it out. And, you know, for us, yeah, we want to build where the users are. And today, like, there's definitely a lot of users activity that's happening here. Yeah. To the degree that we can help there, like we'll always be will always be really helpful to the team.
1: Makes sense. No, I appreciate that answer. So to to wrap things up, I end every every episode with our one, two web three, just a couple rapid fire questions. So my first one for you is who is an influential web three creator, artist, collector, entrepreneur that you really admire?
0: I pretty much admire all of the guys that have that are dropping NFT collections, like it's a really, really hard thing to do. I think a lot of people say that like, yo, let me just drop this thing. But it's actually so much that goes into it. Uh, so I will say probably like the Mini Royale Nations team, they are a game, but they also have NFT collections and trying to trying to do a lot for the gaming ecosystem. Uh, I really admire those guys.
1: Awesome. And then what's your favorite NFT?
0: My favorite NFT, I think right now it's probably... There's a collection on Magic Eden called the Friendly Frogs. Check those out. It's created actually by someone who is on the Magic Eden team. She created it before she joined Magic Eden. But yeah, super fun community. Great, great little collection. And yeah. Is that your PFP right now? No, my PFP right now is a Solana Monkey business.
1: Gotcha. Cool. I wasn't sure. I'll be checking out both. And then last question is, what's the craziest thing that you think we'll be doing in the metaverse in five years that people just aren't talking about yet?
0: Oh man, dude! I mean, I don't even know, man. I just think we'll be spending all our time there, probably. I mean, we already are, right? Like, I think people talk about the metaverse and stuff. Is like, dude, it's like Discord and Twitter. It's what it is. We're already there. Yeah, man. I think just straight up having more friends there than than IRL probably. That maybe already be true right now.
1: Yeah. Totally. I definitely think starting to shift the mindset about this metaverse being this futuristic, utopian, like VR, AR like life we live and just more the metaverse is the transition of spending more of our time online than IRL. So interesting take. Thank you so much, Joshin, for joining the Unstoppable Podcast. Now, can you please let us know where we can find you, connect with you, follow you online after this podcast?
0: So my handle on Twitter is Josh and Yin. Z-H-U-O-X-U-N-Y-I-N and then you know Magic hit me up anytime. We have a team of 85, 90 people, all distributed. So we're we're always available on Twitter and Discord. So just uh, just hit us up and say hi.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much. Great insights today. I'm gonna to be diving into Solana and I'm making it a goal to buy an NFT on Magic Eden within the month. So anytime I see something new that I haven't quite really fully understood experimented with yet that's always a sign that i need to pick it up and learn it and experiment with it in crypto because crypto just rewards people doing that experimenting and trying new things so thank you so much if you enjoyed this episode please drop us a follow on the unstoppable podcast whatever your favorite streaming platform is and we'll see you next week peace out i hope you've enjoyed this episode of the unstoppable podcast If something we said today resonated with you, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share this with your friends. And remember, this conversation doesn't have to end here. Tweet us your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. I look forward to hearing from you and thank you so much for listening.